Hey, Luke, have you been looking for a new Daily Fantasy Sports app? You know, I have really been jonesing for one. I got the perfect one for you, Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new DFS app for prop bets. They have streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research by using only top-tier athletes. Instead of the traditional salary cap format, you build your lineup around a list of prop bets. For each contest, you need to choose 10 of the 20 prop bets plus two ice picks that protect you from any late scratches or postponed games. Each unique prop has an over and under point value assigned to it, and you will be rewarded that point value if that prop is correct. For example, your man, Mookie Betts, will he have over or under one and a half RBIs? The less likely the prop is to occur, the more points the choice will be worth, and you build your team score around the amount of correct props you select. Got that? I got it. All right, so go check out Thrive Fantasy. If you use the promo code, Bring in the heat, or bring the heat, B-R-I-N-G-T-H-E-H-E-A-T. When you sign up, they will match your first deposit of up to $10. So you deposit $10, you have $20 to play with now. Go check it out. I know that we've already had some people reach out to us about their success. They've won some of their latest, uh, I would say, bets. So go check it out. That's Thrive Fantasy, one of the best and newest Uh, daily fantasy sports apps out there here we go Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Bring in the Heat podcast. It is episode 38. Yes, 38. That is hard to believe. It seems like we just put this together uh, yesterday, really. But it's your host, Zach, and today I am actually flying solo. Um, Luke is still recovering from a WrestleMania hangover. Um, not really an alcohol uh, hangover, though. I'm just joking about that. But he actually, you know, you got to think, WrestleMania is a late event. You know, it doesn't probably end till 12, and we live about an hour and a half away. And so between getting home late, getting up early for work, and all that stuff, he still has not recovered. So he wasn't feeling it today. I told him to take the day off. I will I will handle it uh, for today. So you got me. So um, really, it's going to be a quick episode. There's really no reason for me to make this any longer than what it has to be. So I'm just going to dive right into the information and first thing I want to go into and as we always do we always start with NFL but I just want to go into the Antonio Brown situation um absolutely ridiculous so those of you that don't know Antonio Brown has you know thrown shade at Juju Smith-Schuster another receiver from the Steelers over the last couple days um he's talked about how Juju Smith-Schuster fumbled away their postseason last year and in the one game I think it was the second to last game of the year um when Juju Smith-Schuster had a huge fumble in that game and it did ultimately cost them the game uh so it started with that and then Juju Smith-Schuster came back and said it's amazing how someone's ego can can get so big and I mean Antonio Brown you've moved on man what's the issue get over it 
I mean, it's like Juju Smith-Schuster seems like one of the nicest dudes in the world, honestly. Like, he's very laid back, does not take life too serious. you got to love a guy like that. And and Juju Smith-Schuster, so Antonio Brown put out a Instagram message that Juju Smith-Schuster had sent him back when he was at USC. And it's funny because I think Antonio Brown posted this to think that people were going to say, like, oh, Juju Smith-Schuster reached out to, to Antonio Brown because Antonio Brown's so great. And, like, it really made Antonio Brown look more like a, a tool than anything because what's so wrong with a college kid reaching out to one of the greatest receivers in the game and asking for advice? And so I don't get why Antonio Brown would have thought that that would be something worth posting to, to make Juju Smith-Schuster look bad, but that, that and as someone who coaches sports, that's great. Like I think that's amazing that someone would reach out and – and want to better themselves and and who better to learn from than Antonio Brown, at least on the field. But Juju Smith-Schuster is a way bigger person off the field at this point. And it's, it's ridiculous that, you know, Antonio Brown got what he wanted. He got traded. He's out of Pittsburgh and you're going to just start throwing shade at dudes. Like move, move on, grow up. There's no reason to, to have to absolutely try to, to, hurt Juju Smith-Schuster or, or, you know, throw shade at him. I mean, to me, that seems more like jealousy, which I don't know what Antonio Brown has to be jealous of. Um, I don't know if he's responding to fans who have said, hey, we don't need you. We got Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, we've talked about on this podcast. We don't know. We're going to find out this year what Juju Smith-Schuster is made of because Antonio Brown isn't going to to be in those games. He's not going to be drawing all that attention. So Juju Smith-Schuster is the guy now, but this this was uncalled for, especially for someone like Juju Smith-Schuster doesn't bad talk anybody, and then you're going to come out and just absolutely you know berate this dude, and I I don't understand why. And, and this comes on the heels of the whole Aaron Rodgers situation, which I'm going to dive into as well. Aaron Rodgers and the Mike McCarthy issue, and the, the Bleacher Report uh, article that came out saying basically Aaron Rodgers is a diva. I mean. He can't, you know. We know we have known for a long time that Aaron Rodgers hasn't spoken with his his family. He has no relationship with them, and no one really knows why. But I think we're kind of understanding why. I, I think that at this point we can blame it more on Rodgers than we can his family. And and I mean, I can't say that we should a hundred percent agree with that. We don't know what happened behind closed doors, but based on what has happened so far in these stories that have come out with with. Well-known players, Ryan Grant has come out and said stuff. Uh, St. Brown, Equinemus, I can't pronounce his first name, St. Brown um, from the Packers has even come out and said some things, and he's he's a current player. Um, Greg Jennings has come out and said stuff. And and what's crazy is Ryan Grant and Greg Jennings were, were big names for those Packer teams early on. And um, it's funny because Aaron Rodgers – refutes these reports and today said it's all nobody players people who are still trying to stay relevant and i think that that's harsh how can you say that i mean greg jennings was the best receiver you had for four years um he helped your numbers greatly i mean i i would say that i think greg jennings benefited more from rogers and rogers benefited from greg uh, greg jennings but ultimately 
they helped each other. And Ryan Grant was no slouch either. So it's definitely very interesting that he would come out and basically say nobodies. I mean, those guys were very instrumental in that offense uh, early on. So definitely interesting he said that. Um, he had nothing nice but nice things to say about McCarthy uh, in the in the or interview he had on the radio. I think it was yesterday. Um, so... And he made points where he's like, oh, I wouldn't have signed a long-term deal if I didn't like McCarthy because no one knew that McCarthy was going to be fired and all this stuff. But ultimately, those two definitely didn't see eye to eye. I mean, when more than one player is coming out and saying stuff, especially guys on, on Greg Jennings and Ryan Grant caliber players, which, you know, yeah, they're not Hall of Famers, but they have some Pro Bowls to their names. And so, um, you know, it's there's truth behind it, without a doubt. And so it's just crazy because... I will say that McCarthy was was no saint either. I mean, he had his issues, and I've read reports that, you know, it was really the two sides combined, and when you're winning, you forget a lot of things, but when you're losing, all the bad things come out, and so that's that's what happened in Green Bay, and as a Bears fan, I couldn't be happier because I hope that this turns into them being horrible and the Bears can kind of take over that, that reign in the North. But as a football fan, it's just crazy that, you know, Rodgers' ego is ridiculous. You know, he's always played with that chip on his shoulder, which is great. But Tom Brady has played with the chip on his shoulder, too, and he doesn't handle himself the way that Rodgers does. You know, Brady is a team player, and Rodgers is, by all accounts from everything I've read, a me player. At the end of the day, Rodgers cares about his numbers. I'm not going to say more than the team, but his numbers matter. And it's crazy. Like, I didn't notice this, but St. Brown's numbers dropped tremendously. And the reason why that happened in this report, apparently, is Rodgers would basically stop looking your way if you didn't listen to him or or you didn't show him something. And basically what happened was St. Brown was torn because Rodgers is changing plays in the huddle. And McCarthy is is calling one play. Rodgers wants to run another one. So there's a route being called by McCarthy, a route being called by Rodgers. St. Brown being a rookie or first-year player, second-year player, is torn. Do I listen to my quarterback or do I listen to my coach? And so he listened to Rodgers once, got scolded, decided he was going to listen to McCarthy, and his numbers dropped greatly after that. So... That's the kind of guy Rodgers is. Apparently, there's been issues with Jeff Janis in the past. And and so it's just like, and apparently, from what everyone says, Jeff Janis was one of the nicest guys out there. So it's like, why? Why are you being like this? So so that brings the question, you know, who's the big, bigger diva? Is it is it Antonio Brown or is it Aaron Rodgers? Um, you know, those of you that are listening, log on to Twitter and, and at me, tweet at me. Let me know, is it Antonio Brown or is it Aaron Rodgers? Because at this point... Who knows? Like Aaron Rodgers, I get, I think a lot of it came from frustration. And Antonio Browns is more just being salty, just being, you know, he's got that platform, so he's going to use it type guy. And he's not using it for the good. Um, but definitely, definitely interesting uh, issue on uh, those two guys. Um, so moving on to other NFL news. The 49ers reportedly were willing to give the Giants a better offer for Odell. So we don't know what that offer is. We don't know what it entailed. But the 49ers apparently were willing to give more than what the Browns gave. If that report is true, Giants fans are just going to continue to grow angry with uh, Gettleman. I mean, that if that happened, that's a problem. Um, 
I get the Browns are in the AFC, so less chance you're going to see Odell. But, you know, at this point in where the Giants are with a, from a franchise standpoint, you have to take the best offer on the table if you're going to get rid of your star player. And if this is the case and they didn't do that, that's a major issue. And I think that that's going to add fuel to the fire. And Gettleman, he is one more horrible move away from losing his job. I honestly believe that. Um, he's already in hot water as it is with the Odell trade. And, and if they go out there and they win one, two games this year, I think he's gone. Um, because he said that they're not on a complete rebuild. They are, he thinks that they can rebuild and win at the same time. Um, I don't know. Parts of me says, yeah, I look at the roster. I'm like, okay, I can kind of see it. And then other parts of me is like, eh, I'm not so sure there, there are still, you know, they lack playmaking ability at the receiving position right now. Golden Tate is good. I don't know if Golden Tate is what he used to be. Um, so there are big questions regarding the Giants. And so the fact that they could have gotten a bigger haul for Odell and, and didn't take it is a head scratcher to me. And unfortunately, Luke's not here because I would, have, I would have liked to hear his input on that. Maybe we can dive into it a little bit more next week. But um, definitely very interesting. So... Um, along with football, still, the AAF continues to, well, the AAF is gone, but AAF players continue to sign with NFL teams. So I got a list here. This list has possibly, most likely grown. I know that there was a couple more signings right before I started recording. So I didn't get all of them. So I know that I'm missing a few, but uh, the ones that I do have, Luis Perez, quarterback for the Birmingham Iron, signed with the Eagles. Um not a bad signing. I think he played okay. Uh, and it's again, this is a list of the players that have signed. That doesn't mean that these guys are going to have impacts on teams. It doesn't mean that they're even going to be on the team the time the regular season comes around. But these are guys that have signed so far. So Andrew Ankra, might not pr- be pronouncing that right. He uh, played for the Apollos. He is going to the Redskins. JC Hassenauer goes from the Iron to the Steelers. Jack Taco or Tacho, I'm not uh, pretty. Sh- I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. He goes from the Iron to the Steelers as well. Brandon Green goes from the Iron to the Panthers. Parker Collins goes from the Legends to the Panthers. Kit O'Brien goes from the Iron to the Panthers. Alex Barrett goes from the Fleet to the Raiders. Darren Smith goes from the Commanders to the Vikings. Duke Thomas goes from the Commanders to the Vikings. Garrett Gilbert quarterback goes from the Apollos to the Browns Rashad Ross former Redskin goes from the hot shots to the Panthers Keith Reeser was the first one to sign he goes from the Apollos to the Chiefs Devontae Bosby goes from the Commanders to the Broncos so pretty interesting honestly I thought there would be a lot more Apollo players because they were the best team um a lot of iron players and the Panthers picked up a lot of guys uh so you know, I'm interested to see how these guys do either on their second go around or their first go around. I mean, and we know guys like Rashad Ross has uh, played before. He actually was okay for the Redskins, so interesting that he's going to go to the Panthers. Especially the Panthers, they lack some depth at receiver. You know, they got rid of Funches; isn't even there anymore. So they got Samuel, and I 
think that's it. I don't I don't know too many other guys. Maybe I think Moore is another one. So, you know, Ross could go in there and and benefit. And a lot of them were linemen, which also surprised me because I thought the offensive line play was a little weak on in my honest opinion in in the the AAF. And I don't know if that was due to the the great defensive play. I don't know if the the offense struggled because the defensive play was so good, but I feel that the defensive play was so good because the offensive line play was so poor. Um, but we'll see. You know, I'm happy for those guys that that got that shot. And again, like I said, there's probably more signings. I didn't probably get them all, but those are the ones that that I came up with when I was making this list. So, um, sticking in the NFL, Ryan Shazier. This is great to see. Um, I don't think he'll ever land on a football field again. But Ryan Shazier continues to take steps in his rehab. Um, he posted a video recently of him making a three foot box jump. Awesome to see a guy that that seemed to be you know paralyzed may not even be able to walk again or walk correctly again. Um, coming out doing box jumps three feet, uh, great to see. If you're a football fan, you know Ryan Shazier was exciting to watch. So sad to see him not being able to play football. And he, I know his goal is to come back, and you know I think that's still highly in doubt, but. It's still great to see and, and, you know, happy for him. I hope that recovery continues to do to to go well. And hopefully, you know, I, I honestly do not want to see him on a football field again because I am happy that he's able to walk again. So but, you know, that's his goal. So we'll see what happens. I just I hope I look forward to those videos he posts. So so good on you, Ryan Shazier. And uh Last thing for football, so not even NFL, but football talk. Um, the XFL today came out with some interesting uh, rules that they're going to have. Um, so first thing is after you score a touchdown, there are going to be three options. So no field goal. There's going to be a one-point play. Um, that is going to be from the one-yard, the two-yard line, I believe. Then there's going to be a two-point conversion that is going to be from the five-yard line. And then there's going to be a three-point conversion. That's right. You heard it. Three-point conversion. Um, so there's a potential of nine points to be scored on a touch after a touchdown. So you got the six points for the touchdown and then one of those three combinations. But um, the three-point conversion from the 10-yard line, that that's going to be interesting. And they basically did it as a team that, say you're down by 17 points, that might, in the NFL, that kind of is a long shot. That's more than two scores. Now it's two scores. Um, down by 27, that's three scores. So, or it could be, it could be, yeah, yeah, it's three scores. But you could take the lead then. So it kind of gives the team a little bit more um, influence to keep playing, regardless if maybe you're getting blown out in the beginning. Kind of like it. It's going to be different. We'll see how it plays on the field. Um, But it's definitely an interesting idea that's going to come to play. I mean, they're definitely doing it. It's in their rules. And then the other rule is not they're going to have an overtime shootout. So their goal is to make overtime exciting. I think college still has the best overtime. I love that. But they're trying something a little different. So each team is going to have five opportunities to convert a two-point conversion. Um, I don't believe they gave a yard line. I'm assuming it's going to be for the five, like the like the extra the, the conversions are after the touchdown. So I'm assuming it's going to be on the five. Um, 
So basically what they're, what they're going to do is they're going to have one team's offense on one side of the field, their, then their defense on the other side. So it's going to be Team A's offense versus T, Team B's defense on one side of the field, Team B's offense versus Team A's defense on the other side of the field. And they're going to have you know five opportunities to convert a two-point conversion. I'm assuming they're going to flip-flop just like in college. So... Um, it should be should be quick. They say they don't they don't they estimate overtime only being three to five minutes long, um, and their goal is to keep the game under three hours. So again, I find that very interesting. I think it's it's pretty cool that uh, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see. You know, I can't speculate on it right now because you have to see how it plays out on the field. I think all the rules the AAF brought to the game were great, and I think they played well on the field. Um, I kind of anticipate the same. I think that they're going to play out fine and do well in the XFL, but we'll see. You know, I think it's definitely going to make overtime a little bit more exciting than what um, the NFL is right now. Um, so I can't wait for that. We still got a while yet, though. Um, moving on, Major League Baseball. Um, so I'm just going to start from the top of the list here. The Yanks bullpen faltered last night. Um, Zach Britton gave up a, a double to Robinson Chirinos, which sucks because Tanaka threw lights out. Tanaka's looked great so far. Um, so the, the bullpen faltered. Um, and and on, on a day where the Yanks faced Verlander, and the Astros' bullpen is very good as well, and you got to take advantage. When you, beat, when you put three runs up on Verlander, you have to make that lead stick. Frazier's looked great in the minimum games he's played. He's hitting over 400, I believe. He's got three homers and nine RBIs. I mean, he's looked great. Judge looked good last night. Voigt got a hit. Um, LeMahieu continues to rake. Um, Tanaka made one bad pitch to to Altuve. Other than that, Britton came in. Parts of him looked good, but he left the sinker up, and then you know he's uh, he got Robinson Trinos hit that double and. Yanks lose, so that was that sucked, and they they lost on a dribbler by Correa, which which sucked even more um, against Adovino. So Yanks lose again, and they didn't get any other better news when before the game when Severino took a step back in his rehab, his arm still felt uncomfortable. He didn't feel great, so they sent him back to New York for more tests. Still have not heard anything about it, but. It's gonna push his time back even more. He hasn't even thrown off a mound yet. He didn't. Even, he didn't pitch at all in spring training, and he hasn't thrown off a mound in any rehab assignment. So, not looking good for the Yanks to start. Um, I, I think that they're they're still gonna be able to win games with the lineup they have. Their lineup is still very good, but you know, a lot of these losses, I look back and you know. To me, you sign Adam Ottavino to all that money. I mean, I know you signed Britain too, but. Ottavino needs to come in, I think, in the sixth inning. He needs to come in. And he didn't um, in a tough situation. Britain, and I love Britain, but Ottavino's a better pitcher in my eyes. And, and he didn't look great last night either. But Boone has made some interesting uh, decisions so far, and the fan base is not liking it. Um, I've been hard on Boone in the past, and it'll continue. I'm not a big fan of him. I think that he does not have uh, the best baseball IQ, in my honest opinion. Um, and and I love the analytical approach, but I think the Yankees are a little too much into the analytical approach. Um, there's no reason Talkman should even be on that team, in my honest opinion. But 
Um, so yeah, and a lot of people are saying, are the Yanks going to go after Keuchel? No, they're not. Um, I'll answer that question right now if anyone had it. They will. I don't believe they'll go get Keuchel. Um, they didn't splurge on the free agents that were out there in the off season because they were committed to this team. I think Cashman um, is not a guy to suck up his pride. I don't think he's going to go out and spend a ton of money on a 33-year-old. I think the only way they would get Keuchel is if they gave him a team-friendly one-year deal, and Keuchel doesn't want that. He's already said, I want more than the qualifying offer that was offered me. So I don't see him signing with the Yanks, and I don't see him signing personally until we get closer to midway through the year when you know teams kind of... You know, the Indians, I think, would be a good fit for him. And especially now that, and I'm going to get into it, Mike Clevenger goes out. Um, so I think that's a that's a better landing spot for Keuchel than what New York is right now, in my honest opinion. And I just don't think he fits well at Yankee Stadium either. I really don't. I think, I know he throws a lot of ground balls, but any ball he does elevate, he doesn't throw hard. I, I believe that he would get hit around a bit at Yankee Stadium. That's just my opinion. Um so, no, I don't see Keuchel going to the Yanks. Uh, one, because of pride, I don't think you know Cashman's going to want to give that money to a guy that they didn't have to sign. They could have used that money elsewhere to fill other holes. And you kind of see they didn't, they didn't spend the money on Harper. They didn't spend the money on, on Machado, which, okay, but now we got injuries all over the place. That's what happens when you rely on someone like Troy Tulowitzki to man shortstop every day. A guy that hasn't played a full healthy season, I don't think ever, maybe one season. Um, so I don't know. Yanks, I'm not going to say they're a dumpster fire, but they're struggling. And it's it's going to be an uphill battle until some of these guys start to come back. But it cannot be any worse than what Chris Davis, Baltimore Orioles Chris Davis, is feeling right now. Um it can't hurt Chris Davis too much because he's getting paid a ton of money, but any athlete doesn't want to go through what he's going through right now, and he has gone 47 at-bats in a row without a hit, and that is a record. Um, yesterday, he was close to getting a hit. Um, he did not strike out at all. Surprise, surprise. Um, if I had a dollar for every time Chris Davis struck out, I would be a wealthy man. He did not strike out, but no hits yesterday. That sets the record. Uh, he has gone now 47 at-bats without a hit, and that is going to go down as one of the worst contracts ever in baseball. We've talked about it before. Um, I kind of feel bad for the guy, honestly, because he's never going to hear the end of it. Uh, I'm at the the Orioles, like, they're at a loss because you can't cut the guy because you would like, you have to pay him everything. And it's like, but at this point, he's not giving you any production in the lineup. So it's like, why not? Uh, I don't know if you're the Orioles they haven't really played bad they they've got off to a decent start but if you're the Orioles you kind of got to be like man what do we do that that is a tough situation um I don't know but other teams that are hot right now let me tell you the Phillies when they got Bryce Harper this team's confidence went to a hundred over a hundred. I mean, they are on another level right now. They are mashing. Hoskins is hot right now. Harper, Harper, I haven't even really seen highlights other than the, the two home runs, that two or three home runs he's hit 
it's been everyone around him. He's kind of softened that lineup, softened that pressure, and Hoskins is benefiting. Herrera hit a home run last night, and they are just putting up runs like it's nobody's business. Phillies are hot right now, and you know they look like the favorite. It's going to be them or the Dodgers look like the favorite right now in the National League. And I think if I'm a betting man, I take the Phillies right now over the Dodgers. I do, and it's kind of fun to see. I mean, they're fun to watch. I'm, I know I'm a Yankee fan, and you know I, I'm die hard, and I want the Yanks to win all the time. But and I'm not a big Philly sports fan. I'll be honest with you. But the Phillies right now are fun to watch. Um, I I enjoy going back and watching Reese Hoskins hit two dingers in a game. Um, he is he is fun to watch. I remember watching him at Lehigh Valley. Um, He's always been able to mash. He's finally at a position he's comfortable in. Uh, him and Bryce Harper seem to be boys now, and and he the Phillies look good, um, and it's going to be fun to watch. And another team that looks great is the Mariners. I mean, the Mariners are off to a hot start. Yesterday they pounded the baseball, and when Edwin Encarnacion hits two home runs in the same inning, that's the second time he's done that in his career. Um, they're on fire, and and. There are few teams right now that that are hot that I think are overachieving. You got Seattle, I think is overachieving um, because they made so many trades that I don't think anybody kind of knew what to expect from them. So they're hot. Um, I'm not gonna say the Phillies are surprising. I think once they got Harper, even before they got Harper, I expected them to be good. Uh, but so I'm not gonna say that they're they're over uh, performing, but. You got Tampa Bay is doing extremely well, and Kevin Cash is, in my opinion, not Kevin Cash. Uh, yeah, Kevin Cash. I think that he is the the best manager in baseball right now. I mean, with the line, I know their lineup isn't terrible, but they're starting to get the analytical approach as well, and they found some pieces. The one dude Diaz, they they found out that he has had some of the hardest hit balls in baseball uh, for the Indians last year. And his average uh, speed off the bat is insane. And so they said that they think that if they can change his swing a little bit to put that ball in the air with the same velocity, the home runs are going to come, and it's happened. And he's looked great. So hats off to Tampa Bay. I know they're in the same division as the Yanks, but they've looked great. Um, So I'd say they're overachieving. And Detroit. Detroit, you know, they lost. Victor Martinez is gone. They've kind of been locked with some bad contracts in the past. Um, their pitching wasn't supposed to be great, but they've looked good as well. They're off to a winning start. So those are some surprising teams um, for me for me personally to start the season. Um, and speaking of hot, and this is kind of going to go to an individual player, but Whit Merrifield, hopefully I don't jinx him while saying this, but Whit Merrifield has hit – safely in 29 straight games um that's one of the higher hit streaks we've seen lately so 29 straight games obviously that dates back to last season but with merrifield keep it going man I, I think that's exciting when you have a guy that's you know got got the hit streak going i mean dimaggio's record has been alive for how long now and i don't think anybody breaks that record especially in today's age with all the analytical approaches and and the shift and you know the strikeout rates being so high but Whit Merrifield awesome dude to watch he was kind of a late bloomer and he's the one lone bright spot for the Royals so I hope I hope that streak keeps going and I hope I didn't jinx him uh, by talking about it Um, 
And then we got some guys on the we got a guy on the comeback trail. So Pedroia comes back first day in the lineup today. First time he's I mean he played three games last year, but he's apparently a hundred percent healthy. So you got Pedroia coming back, and then you got guys like Clevenger and Lester. Clevenger is going to be out for a while. Clevenger uh, suffered a back strain, and he's going to be out six to eight weeks before he even picks up a ball. Francona thinks. So Clevenger is going to be out for some some time. I mean, six to eight weeks before you even pick up a ball, at least. Then you got your whole rehab assignment. You're looking at probably closer to three months until he's back. So uh, speedy recovery, and it stinks for him. He had two straight starts of at least ten strikeouts and hasn't given up a run yet. So he was on fire for uh, for the Indians to start the year. Um, and Lester is going to be out for a start or two. Uh, due to a hamstring pull or hamstring issue. So he's going to be out for, for a start or two, which only hurts the Cubs more. They haven't really been off to the greatest start either. So um, tough tough for the Cubs. Um, and then you got also, speaking of guys that are going to be out, Chris Archer was suspended for five games, um, and Puig gets two games. Archer, from that's from the brawl incident. Um, Archer is going to appeal. Uh, he came out and said that, you know, he had missed some pitches and he yanked that one. But uh, based on who it was against and what had happened before with the whole showboating or, or admiring the home run by Dietrich, that was intentional. We all know it was intentional. Archer, come on, dude, don't don't try to save your – it's baseball. Like, I know people don't like throwing at people or whatnot. It's baseball. It's going to happen. And so just own up to it. Sit your it's you're gonna miss one start. Sit your five games. Five games for a pitcher is nothing. That doesn't hurt a team as bad as losing a position player. Because Puig losing Puig for for two games, he's gonna start those two games. Archer, you know, you start one of those five. So, um, and then the last thing for uh, baseball today that was the Red Sox ceremony, the ring ceremony, and Craig Kimbrell decided not to go he told the Red Sox he wasn't going to go and he at first I thought it was an, it was kind of a him being a tool not uh the case he'd said that he felt it would be a distraction to the team because he hasn't signed yet and everything he said that he doesn't want you know his teammates being distracted so he is not going to show up to the ring ceremony or he didn't show up to the ring ceremony so um I guess good on him then if you know he didn't try to uh, be selfish and didn't go there to and didn't want his teammates or former teammates being distracted so and we were almost done like i said episode 38 is going to be short riding solo so you know can't really have conversations and elaborate too much um can't have an argument or discussion with myself so last last section of is mma um so we had Artem Labov versus Jason Knight this past weekend uh, in their bare knuckle boxing debuts. Artem came back with the win. I don't know if you guys if you guys haven't seen a picture, look up uh, Artem Labov versus Jason Knight uh, pictures, post pictures. Um, holy God, those dudes look like they were in a war zone. I mean, their faces were all cut up, stitches all over, crazy. I mean, the damage from bare knuckle is is unreal. I mean, it puts. UFC's had some brutal ones, but man, bare knuckle is like the worst UFC fight as far as cuts and everything is concerned. Bare knuckle tops at almost every fight. It's it's insane. Um, so I think Jason Knight. Honestly, I watched the highlights though. I think Jason Knight won that fight. He dropped Labov more than what Labov dropped him. 
I think Jason Knight should have won. I didn't see the stats or significant strikes landed or anything like that. But based on the highlights I saw, I think Jason Knight won that fight. Um, but he lost, and he continues his losing ways. He was on a, on a slide in the UFC as well, and it sucks because he is so exciting to watch. And he does – like that dude can take a beating, and he still comes back. Um, he's got so much heart, so it sucks to see him on a slide like this. And I definitely think he won, which sucks even more that, that he lost a decision. Um, ultimately, he, he couldn't keep Labov on the canvas, you know. Um, so – uh, in other news, the civil suit against McGregor was dropped. Um, I think I believe that's the whole phone incident, but he's got other stuff to worry about. You know, he's got that that whole sexual assault uh, thing over his head, along with the recent news of the stuff he said about Khabib's wife. So uh, I think we've talked about McGregor enough. So I don't think I really have to elaborate on that too much. Um, T.J. Dillashaw was suspended for two years so uh he's only the second fighter to test positive for what he tested positive for i can't pronounce it i think they they use it in short they call it epo um so yeah dillashaw obviously we know he is piss tested hot and he is gone for two years eligible to come back in january of 2021 um you know unfortunately luke's not with me because we both are not dillashaw fans so it would be fun to celebrate this with him. Maybe we can elaborate more next uh, next podcast. But it sucks for guys like Garbrandt. I mean, we see Garbrandt, obviously his chin is his issue. And I don't think, you know, you know the thing is Dillashaw sucked before, you know, this run he's been on. And everyone's been saying in his old camp that, you know, he's been juicing and all this stuff. And you wonder, you know, Garbrandt's kind of been on this slide. And again, like I said, his chin is his problem. But, you know, if he faces faces a weaker Dillashaw twice, does he, he win those fights? You know, no one will ever know. I mean, maybe those two fight again in the future. But we got two years without Dillashaw, you know, and he hasn't. Obviously, he knows he was in the wrong. The, the thing he tested positive for is only administered through injection. It's not a supplement you can take. So he knew all about it. He can't come out and say, oh, I didn't know what I was putting in my body, blah, blah, blah. He knew. Um, So he's out, and it's going to be nice to not see him for two years because he is one of my least favorite fighters in the UFC, Um, and I'm happy that he took this and still got knocked out. That makes you look even worse. You got knocked out by a dude that's smaller than you um, while you were juicing. So not a good look for the former champ in TJ Dillashaw. And the last thing, so again, we're about done. Last thing, I just wanted to air this out here. So April 27th, first off, UFC has a great card. There are so many good fights on this card. Super excited for it. That's a fight night card as well, so it's free if you have ESPN. Well, it's not free, but if you have ESPN+, Plus, you can watch it. But I have a bone to pick with the UFC. What are you doing? Greg Hardy, again, is the co-main event. On the main card. Didn't you learn your lesson? Greg Hardy went out and threw an illegal knee. He got frustrated and embarrassed in his last fight. He was getting absolutely owned. He obviously has a lot of things to work on. And instead, you throw him in another co-main event. On live television. Like, what are you doing? 
This man needs to be on the Fight Pass stuff that only people who have UFC Fight Pass are able to watch. There is absolutely zero reason why Greg Hardy should be on this card. Didn't Dana White learn his lesson? Like He received so much backlash from from the whole incident and having Greg Hardy on the main card as the co-main event the first time. And it wasn't even backlash from fans. It was backlash from people in his business, people that work for him. Dude, figure it out. Greg Hardy should not be there. He needs to be on like the first fight on Fight Pass. At the best, until he figures out his kinks, if he ever does. He, you know, he is not a MMA fighter. All right? He, he, four fights, five fights does not make you an MMA fighter. There are dudes out there that have more professional fights that are more well-rounded than Greg Hardy, without a doubt. And so that that just absolutely frustrates the hell out of me that they give this man another shot in a big situation on a stacked card. A lot of people are going to be watching that. That is a great card that's on ESPN. So I don't know. Dana White, I don't know what's going on, man. Apparently you didn't learn your lesson. And all you can hope for is that he doesn't come out and make the same mistakes. But in a way, I kind of hope it does. I hope he makes he does something stupid again, gets his ass beat again, because it's absolutely crazy that, that you would do that. Nuts. If you would have thrown that knee in that last fight on, on the fight pass card, yeah, UFC hardos would probably be like, you know, get him out. But most people aren't watching the fights on fight pass, you know, so there wouldn't have been as much controversy behind it. Controversy, I should say. Um, I don't know. I don't know, Dana. Figure it out, man. But that's going to wrap it up. So episode 38, like I said, quick one. Uh, we ran through. I ran through what I had to. Um, so uh, that's it. That's going to be it for episode 38. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, hopefully Luke's back on Thursday. I think he'll be fully recovered by then. Um, I enjoyed it, though. It was nice to talk some sports, get get through it. Um, again, follow us on Twitter. Be active with us on Twitter. Um, again, I want to apologize for whatever reason. We've been uploading to Anchor, and Anchor before had no issue. Like our episodes were up at the same time on Apple, where we get most of our listens. And for whatever reason, the last two episodes have been super late. Like I know thirty uh, thirty six was up late. It was like later in the day on Friday or Tuesday. And now this one, our Thursday episode, didn't get uploaded until yesterday, like yesterday afternoon. And I don't know why. I've messaged Anchor. I've been in talks with them trying to figure it out. So I apologize for that. Um, Those of you that really enjoy listening, though, download the Anchor app just to be safe. I know you don't listen on Anchor, but hey, if for whatever reason it doesn't upload right away, then at least you have Anchor as the backup plan because it goes on Anchor, but for whatever reason, it doesn't go to the other platforms all the time. So I'm going to try this one. Hopefully this one works out. So also, like I said, follow us on Twitter, share, subscribe, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Please give us a review, five-star rating if you can. Anything to help us out, uh, send us messages, leave us a voicemail on our on our uh, podcast uh, number. And you can find that on our uh, bio on Twitter. Uh, please, please, please help us out. Share everything you can. And I uh, look forward to the next episode. So thanks for listening. Uh, I appreciate it. Peace out, everybody. Hey, 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 hey,
Hippity hop, I'll never be a millionaire. Whoa, boom, boom. 